Welcome to the next podcast of Millinery.info. In this podcast, we speak with Felicity Northeast, a milliner based on the Mornington Peninsula of Victoria in Australia. She's the winner of the Caulfield Cup Millinery Award and the Millinery Association Design Award. Congratulations on your win at Caulfield Cup and the Millinery Association Design Award. Could you tell us a little bit about your pieces? Sure, thanks Lauren. Um, firstly, the Millinery Association Design One. It was basically a dissection of a flower. I called it dissection. So it was based on a tulip, but a fairly stylized type tulip with leaves, stamen, and um, the petals. And I sort of like the dissection pictures of like the botanical garden sort of pictures. That's sort of where you see them dissected out. Um, the other challenge though I did when I was making the piece, I wanted to use some of the materials that I had collected and sort of saved but never used. And the trickiest bit of it was trying to work out how to coordinate all the materials because I've got a floral material that I picked up from New York, the silk um, with the fine stripe on it and also I want to incorporate some embroidery which I really like doing but it's too work intensive to really do on most of hats so for a competition hat I could do it. Um, so it was that was the tricky bit was trying to um, coordinate door. I'd also got a block made for the leaf. Um, it wasn't quite the way I thought it was going to work out but I was determined to use the block so the piece did alter in how I was going to put it together um, throughout the process and it was just trying to adapt to with what I had. Um, in hindsight the um, covering of the shape with the fine stripe material was really tricky because it wobbled um, really easily and it was a tricky shape to cover anyway, let alone with stripes that you're trying to keep straight. Yeah. So did you design the shape of that block or was that one that was already existing? Um, it was one that was already existing but I only used a very small part of the block at the end. So I blocked it um, numerous times and then worked out which shapes within the block I was going to use. And the piece for Caulfield Cup, how did that come about? Um, that was based on my collection for this year. Um, so the actual shape was um, sort of a, I wanted a modern turban um, wrap type shape. So the double shape was um, based on that. Then the actual trim was based from a collection that I did for an art gallery. I worked with about 15 artists and did different um, different hats working within the artists. Some of the artists um, gave me their actual art materials. Others I supplied um, millinery materials to and they did their artwork on it. This one was with Mercus Skidmore and it was really tricky um, to work out how we could in incorporate her artwork because her artwork is like resin marble. I'm not really quite sure what she does, um, but it's really, really firm, her artwork, and I needed work that I could manipulate a bit more. So I sent her a lot of, she's a South Australian artist, I sent her a lot of millinery material. She tried her artwork on it. 
a lot of them didn't work. She tried other materials and we came up with a, with a medium that she could work with and I could work with. Um, and so that was done quite a few years ago, but I still had a bit of her artwork left. So I had approached her earlier in the year and said, can I use some more of it? And she said, yes, go ahead. So that's um, what I did. And in your current collection, you had some um, textured or painted feathers. Yeah. How did that come about? That was working with another artist. Um, a mutual friend had posted on Instagram another friend's artwork who was a printmaker and she was printing cockatoo shapes on cockatoo feathers and I remember looking and thinking wow we could work with this um, and so I met her and we talked about different designs that I could use and different ways that we could print and so I started us working with her with certain things and so we did a lot of stripes we did a lot of spots and we also did some of her original botanical garden flowers um, and so yeah it went from there so it was really good so it was just one of those mutual friends but it was basically on Instagram and she's been great to work with and probably continue working with her for a while. It's, it adds a different I suppose point of interest to yeah. the traditional yeah. millinery. Yeah. Really cool. And it's I like working with different artists, they have different fields and I think she really enjoyed seeing her feathers on something rather than just um, artwork yeah. as well or on walls. So enjoyed seeing them on the hats as well. So the process for Caulfield Cup has, um, millinery competition has changed yeah. um, to be an online entry. How does that work? No, it's actually a photo. Um, so it's... A, they have photo booths and you um, can be yourself or have a model and you enter um, and then it's purely judged on photos so you get I think six photos are taken um, then you pick three and three go into the competition and then the judges judge on those photos um, I did have a model who's also in the racing industry um, pose for my photos um, and that this is the second year that they've done it um, and it works successfully in that a lot of people who don't normally have go, don't go into competitions do actually enter because they would like a photo and you can actually go in into this different um, groups or categories that you can enter so you can enter as a squad so more than two people or two or more people or by yourself and you can either just have the photo taken or you can actually enter into the competition so one of the sections is a millinery competition that's cool it's a different way of doing it yeah so, um so how did you first become interested in millinery it started, I suppose, way back, not necessarily millinery. I was always interested in art and crafts and always um, had something on the go. Through secondary school, I was also quite strong at science. So in those days, you couldn't really incorporate science and art subjects. So I dropped all my art subjects and continued on with science. At the same time, though, I was enrolling on Saturday afternoons for sewing classes and other classes and things like that. 
I continued on with my science and did dietetics and worked as a dietitian for numerous years, mainly in paediatrics and community health. I started just right throughout that stage doing always um, some sort of art and craft and often doing lessons. Many of you would have done knitwit and um, pattern making I did and silk painting and all those things. And then I went and did a millinery. Um, loved it because I could see all those other things that I had been doing could be incorporated into millinery. So then did a few more courses, then joined with Kangan and did the Kangan up to Cert 4. Hadn't really had any plans with what I was um, doing um, with my millinery or where would I, where it would go. Was still enjoying dietetics. Um, worked with, I was then working in paediatrics in a hospital. They were quite happy for me to take my annual leave over spring carnival. So I did that and worked that way for a few years. Then I was had won a few prizes, so I was sort of wanting to see where my millinery would go. And it was when I had to stay at home for family reasons for a, for a year or so. And so I left dietetics during that stage, planning to go back. But during that stage, my millinery sort of developed and I didn't return to dietetics, even though it was, you know, I was still enjoying it. So just continued on with millinery and have built it up since. And how, yeah. what have you found helpful in growing your business? What's been kind of the key? Key, um, probably word of mouth. Um, I'm very lucky living down this end of the world, down in Mornington, that we do have our local race course and there are a lot of race course, race horse owners. Um, and also a lot of girls that do fashions on the field from down here. So it's a good variety. Um, and I think, it, yeah, it's probably been word of mouth. The one thing my previous um, career hasn't really exposed me to was probably social media. Um, I always had a waiting list for dietetics, so I never had to do anything on social media or marketing and things like that. And so that's probably the learning curve that I just, you know, had never really been exposed to previously and still learning. <laughs> and do you find social media um, a useful tool or it's just a good way to showcase your work or what, what do you, what do you feel? No, I think it's really useful. Um, it's a good way to showcase your work. Um, I'll have clients by right around Australia and internationally, but um, I still probably haven't got the best way of how to utilize it and utilize it to the maximum by any means at all. I will sit there and think, oh, will I do social media or will I sew? And I must prefer to sew. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of us do. <laughs> um, and what was the first hat you ever made? Oh, and do you still have it? <laughs> um, no, is the answer. I still don't have it. There are two hats and I can't remember which one came first. Um, I think was one was in one of the short term um, courses and it was orange and blue. So back to exactly the same colors. And I had actually put in as a trim um, some embroidery work. So there you go. But I certainly cut it up um, down the track and 
I cut up and made it into a headpiece and sold it as a headpiece. So there you go. There's a few of my original hats that I've um, cut up and changed. Um, and then there's, there was one time that I was doing, when I didn't know whether I'd get into Kangen, um, I thought what other skills might be useful. And so I did felt making and I did embroidery and a few other classes. And so I had all these trims ready for hats as well um, before I actually started. So I can't remember what the hat is, but I can remember what the trim was. When you're designing a collection, mm -hmm. um, how many collections do you design? What's your process for that? I generally just do the spring summer collection and then a very small summer collection, which are more summer beach hats, um, more because it's down in the Mornington area. And with my autumn range, it tends to be people coming in and ordering something, but I will have a very, very small collection, but I might not put it up online. So the majority of what I do is for Spring Carnival. Um, how I go about it, um, it looks like I'm fairly analytically sort of approached, but um, everything I do, rules can be broken anyway. So I am... Um, start off really reviewing what I did the previous year, um, what worked, what didn't work, what I thought I might expand on, what I might ditch. I'll also go back and look at all my previous collections because often there's an idea that I look at with a bit of distance and go, I really like that, I could develop at that again this year. I will then look at planning colours, planning shapes because I want a few different shapes that will suit different face shapes as well. Um, I'll look at trends, there's no use doing fantastic hats if they're actually not going to suit the dresses that are coming out. Um, the majority of my clients will bring their dress to me rather than buy the hat first, so I do have to look at what is coming out. Um, I also look at sources of inspiration, my main sources of inspiration, maybe jewellery and accessories, um, also I love wallpaper designs, nature books, I like the botanical garden type sketch books, um, sea um, sketches and things like of the shells and things like that. Um, so I'll just sit around this time and flick through books and pull out ideas and think of things um, and just start brainstorming. Um, I will then try to collect all those ideas and try to work out about two or three themes per collection. Um, my clients come from a range of areas um, and got a range of different fields and things. So I'll try to collect about two or three different ideas and then develop those. I'll always develop a new flower for every collection um, and then utilise that in different ways. So yeah, it sounds like I do it really scientifically but when I actually start making then other designs and things occur and I go out and tangent so and then I'll sit back and go okay let's refocus. Have I ticked all the boxes that I need to tick, so it goes around and around. <laughs> Do you have particular techniques or materials that you like to favour? Um, I probably favour more the traditional materials. I've played around with the, you know, 
unusual materials for a while and then some work, some don't work, but I tend to come back to more the traditional. So I really like parasizals, um, straws with texture, braids with texture, whether they're vintage or new materials. But yeah, so I think it's the straws that are probably my favorite. Who would you most like to see wearing one of your hats? <laughs> I found this question, find this question really, really tricky and I'm really not sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a few people you know, um, Meghan Markle wouldn't be bad now, or Julia Roberts, Meryl Streep. But I actually thought about it and thought, where would I actually really like my hats? And I think it would be museum or an art gallery, rather than on a notable head, yeah. if I had to choose. <laughs> yeah. We'll work on that later. <laughs> um, what's been, do you think, your most enjoyable commission? Oh, this is tricky because they're not always enjoyable right through the entire <laughs> process. But if the end result works, then it's really, it comes really enjoyable. Um, I love seeing sometimes making a hat in a different colours that suits the dress. And you realise that the colours actually work even better than the original hat. And you just think, how does that work or not work? How do these colours? It's just amazing how you alter something like a colour or a slight trim on a hat and it can make it even better. So I really like that. The other things is when a client gives you a lot of freedom and say, I really like that piece, that piece, that piece, but I would like something with a little bit more height or a little bit more width. So you've got enough freedom, but you've got one or two rules that you have to, have to abide by for them. Um, and what they think is really simple, like I just want that with a little bit of width or a little bit of height, may actually be a really, really tricky process. Um, and so it's trying to nut out that process and often it is an engineering construction process and when it works, that's really, really good. Um, and it's when they've pushed you that little bit further and it really does work and they're open to your suggestions as well like you'll say this will work this way or this will work this way and then they go yeah wh whatever you think so there's a little bit of stretching yourself but you've also got that freedom I think. And are most customers looking to, to purchase a already made hat or are the majority of them looking for a custom piece? Um, it, varies from season to season. I will make about 70 hats before the season um, and by far the majority of those sell. Um, but then if they don't fit what works with the person then I will make the um, custom made. It just depends on time wise um, how many custom made that I, that I will make in that because it's, it's a very short period between when they get their dresses and spring carnival. And are you a, I'll work all night or do you have a cutoff point for? I can't, if I work all night, I'm useless the next day. So no, I do have to cut off and I prefer to get up early and start. I'm more effective in the morning than I am late at night. <laughs> Um, when you look for inspiration, you've talked a lot like art and yeah. nature pieces. Is there a particular decade of fashion you find in, you find yourself influenced by? Um, yes, probably the fifties, but it's not for the hats necessarily. It's for the cuts of the coats and the dresses, and it's because 
I know they're complicated in terms of their sewing, but they just look simple lines, elegant and clean and cut. And I think that's the trick to make something look really clean, elegant, sophisticated, um, and not, not too overly complex. That's probably what I'm trying to aim for in my hat. So it's probably the 50s dresses that I'm looking at. Um, in that line rather than necessarily the millinery. And when you're in, I suppose, peak of production, what does a, d a day kind of look like for you? Um, starts off with copy or two. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it will be onto the computer and doing emails, um, answering people's questions, looking at whether orders are coming in, um, ordering materials and things like that then it will be organizing um starting the sewing process so the amount of time that it takes to do the ordering and can vary but it's often a few hours it often it always is longer than you always ever think it is um and then throughout the sewing we'll also be seeing clients so I will be making, I will get to a stage that it's just purely just orders that I'm doing um, and so it is basically going down the order of the orders. Um, when it gets really to the sticky end I will do the orders in priority of what days first and the clients know that when they come in later. And so it is basically a big list on the wall and they're going down. So I'll try to do all the blocking first and then get all the trims. If there's certain trims in it, like all the feathers, doing all those, looking at the orders and seeing which ones will take a bit longer. So studying the process. So yeah, and that will just go on and on and it will be like, straight after tea, I'll be back in again. So as much time as I can. What's the best handy hint someone has shared with you about hat making? Um, I think there are rules in millinery, like how you wear a hat and where a hat should be sat and where the trim should be. But the rule is there are rules, but every rule can be broken. Um, the other one I thought was really useful right at the start was you have to be comfortable with the order. Um, and that it is, you are enjoying making the hat and you do want to put your name to that hat because your name will be on that hat. So if it's something that you don't want to do or a client's made an, a request that you don't feel comfortable with, don't. Yeah, that's very yeah. important. Um, and what's, what's next? <laughs> um, now... It's a bit of a relaxed time. Now it's sort of um, clean up, stock take, um, look at where I might be heading for next year, doing a few summer hats, but really it's most of it is doing the things that I have said to the entire family and to other people that I would do post spring carnival and trying to get all those things organized before I start again. But um, no big new differences. Um, Next year, nothing that I can think of in the horizon, it will be um, back to repeating, you know, looking at collections and stuff, which I will really start enjoying doing in a few weeks' time and will start missing um, picking up a needle if I don't in a few weeks' time. <laughs>
thank you so much for letting me come and talk hats with you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of Millinery.info. This podcast was brought to you by the team of Millinery.info. Did you enjoy this podcast? You can share it with a fellow hat lover or milliner through any of our social media outlets and help them continue to explore the wonderful world of hats. We look forward to bringing you another podcast soon.